can't ski, but like, you know, I'm not a skier. Right. And so my coach was like, don't ski, don't play yourself. This is winter. I was like, I got it, I got it, it's cool. I can ski, whatever. Girl, I could not ski. Welcome to Midlife MVPs, the sports podcast where two middle-aged athletes share their hot takes on everything sports and culture related. Today's episode is about injuries. Everything from our own personal injuries in high school and college to LeBron's planned rest days, injuries are a huge part of sports culture. So sit back, relax, pop an ibuprofen, and hang out with us. Oh, and if you don't want to hear Ty and I's most embarrassing sports injury stories, go ahead and skip to minute nine. Wiped out. I fell down like on my thumbs. Long story short, I come back and I look like a lobster. I had to get little like temporary cast made (laughs) to keep my thumbs separated like in a certain position. And there is a picture that I think uh, my husband recently found in a yearbook somewhere of me with my hands taped in that formation because I missed a game and we either lost or almost lost and my coach came undone. She was like, forget it, you're playing the next game. And she taped my hands up, it was a disaster. And my two injuries did not actually happen in games, um, but they were completely absurd. Oh, that's fortunate. I feel like I would have, I feel like we would have played each other after was it like winter break uh probably no it was probably in toward the second half of the season so after oh okay so we were in conference already yeah um for those of you listening ty and i played basketball against each other in high school and then again in college and then again in every like broy rec league that you could find in the city of chicago um, and we didn't even start talking until I applied for a job and it turned out she was my boss um, and she hired me anyway and then we were like oh we're the same person so um, that's bizarre though that we could play like, we guard each other through like all the important phases of our development and like didn't yeah. speak any actual words to no, each other that no. were like productive well because I was like a head case like evil like overly competitive person you always tried to speak, and then I'd be like, ah, and you'd be like, okay. <laughs> and my soul, I was like, how dare she come out here looking like me? How Seriously. dare she? <laughs> yeah. The audacity. The, the other part of that is that we look similar if you were to describe us. Yes, and not like it's confusing s- other people. Right. But if you saw us standing next to each other, I think people would easily be able to tell the difference. But if only one of us is in the room and you think it could be the other one, like we look enough alike for that to happen. And so that happened all the time. (laughs) And now at least it doesn't happen anymore. But at your wedding, no fewer than three people asked me if I was related to you. Right. And they don't have a sister, so they're confused. They're like, and I I was that. I'm like, I just don't. How? How would I be (laughs) How would I I be related? What? And somehow look like both of her parents. <laughs> they had to make sense of it somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What's but, your funniest injury story? You know, I don't think I had a lot of like injuries in that way. I didn't, I mean, I've had some really hilarious falls, but I didn't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would like to see a highlight reel of you just biting it over and over again, but being fine at the end of it. I did not learn this until probably after I graduated college is that I'm a big girl, 6'1". I was like a big body, big bands post player. Um, And I did not learn until probably after college, just go down, just fall. Like, don't <laughs> it's a resistance that it. gets you it, it is. is do not fight falling just go down it's safer it's less humiliating <laughs> um so <laughs> there was one time in high school where um i was i had just scored it was like a nice move too like it was i was <laughs> feeling myself you know like i was feeling myself to the extent that like i didn't not the feeling yourself to the extent that you like sprint back on D and like, yeah. <laughs> not that one. I like ran backwards. Like, yeah. Oh no, not that. We don't have the feet for that. No, we don't. Because <laughs> we immediately like dragged the wrong heel and started to fall backwards and tried to catch ourselves for the entire length of the court and did not actually <laughs> hit the ground. <laughs> Until like the second hash mark on the lane. And it had been like sliding all the way. So just imagine somebody just like, like. Oh, I would have superimposed jello onto the court if I had a video of that for sure, just watching you like fly through it. That was a long way. It had to have been, it was at Seton. Like you ever? Yes, you played at Seton's gym. That, yeah, that court oh, felt, felt like enormous, and like so, I feel like I was falling for like a good like three and a half seconds. It's a long time in basketball. I mean, championships have been won in the amount of time it took <laughs> me to actually hit the ground. It was it was insane. But yeah, all my all my injury injuries have been like wear and tear. Yeah. Which is, which is sort of like where we are, right? The, the, the midlife MVPs piece of it. It's like, man, all these things are really starting to hit. I remember I, I had knee surgery when I was, uh, it was right after first year of college. It was just a scope. So and it was, you only had one, right? Just the one. That's so cute. Just the one tiny little adorable little, 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 little tiny one. <laughs> uh, and I had it in part because of that ridiculous volleyball trip incident because I had all these like chunk bone fragments like floating around in my knee so I had my knee scoped after first year of college and the I remember the doctor very clearly saying I was like when can I go back to playing he was like oh like no this is just like we're trying to do you want to walk when you're 30 or do you want to play now and I was like oh that's silly play now because I was (laughs) right and like time is what is time Harry felt like a bajillion years away and then when I turned 30 and everything started to ache, I was like, oh, this is what he meant. Right, wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there are choices that we make. And so, and you know, I, I have bulging discs in my back now that were diagnosed a couple of years ago. And I'm just like, so what you mean? Like, just being a big body, like, just being like yeah. playing volleyball, being a hitter, being yeah. a blocker, playing basketball, all the pounding. It's like, just that just happens. When I run a treadmill or try to, you know, walk or whatever, my ankles Lord, pop. Man. They don't hurt but oh, they got a lot of air in there. <laughs> They're very loose. Um, I cannot sneak, I'm not sneaking up on anybody. There's no yeah. one being, no, no sneaking up. Right. But like, that's just sort of, and I guess, and when I, when I uh, got engaged, 
I looked at my the pictures and the engagement, I was like, oh, that crooked pinky really is rearing its head oh, next yeah. to that, right? Like, you know, <laughs> everyone has like at least one. Yeah. This one is all, oh, this, this one is as it gets, you know? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I love comparing injuries like, and being like, oh, that's even more crooked than mine. That's delightful. It's like, like I played like for, my pinky looks like I played for like Notre Dame football in 1963. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's all naughty. And right? I think because all my friends have the same kind of joints, I don't realize that there are people who walk around with perfectly straight fingers that function right. properly all the time. But I think that the, just all those, the accumulation of all these like crooked bits and, you know, chip this and that and like aged this and that, just, it's like, okay, that's just what bodies do. But like not everyone's body does that. Right. Out. Have you ever like, so are, do you have crackly knees? Oh yeah, 100%. Okay. Well, at the, at the gym, I was doing squats and my, I was like, my trainer was like, turn the music down and he was like that's coming from you I was like yes at least that was at the gym you were like in a sort of safe place like, oh no ever like stood up like from like a seated position in a room full of people who aren't athletes and it's been like relatively quiet so like everybody hears your knees go or like oh no I try to stay away from this kind of room it sounds terrifying yeah, I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that I stood up. I think I squatted down. Oh, don't squat! Like in the middle of a like presentation or something, I dropped something and like squatted ah! down to get it, and it was just like, <laughs> and like, and then I knew once I was down there, I had to do it when I came back up. To <laughs> I was like, probably like listening to a transformer for them. It was ridiculous. This is fair, and that's a good point. I think that they just like. Most of the people who point it out are other athletes who are just like, oh, that's bizarre. Is that coming from you? But I think that mostly the non-athletes in my life have figured out to just like be quiet when their body makes sounds because they don't, they assume it came from sports. They just don't know the origins. I mean, that's fine. Right. It makes sounds. That's what it is. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's like, you know, that kind of, one of the things that I want to talk about is that like more and more often now we have professional elite athletes playing like well in the middle age right yeah the WNBA like I mean it seems like if you're an elite player 41 is like is like you know but like you know LeBron is 38 and he's been playing since he was a literal child yes (laughs) and so like I know my wife and I went to a Hawks uh, Lakers game and she was excited. It was in Atlanta. She was excited because she wanted to see LeBron play. And he was he he wasn't because it was one of his scheduled rest days. And she was just so pissed. And she was like, why even like, you know? And for me, I'm kind of like, well, if we want LeBron James style play, like he cannot play a full NBA schedule like so at some point like you have to ask yourself like do you want LeBron for like 30 games a season or do you want him for the entire season and then be like oh this is this is getting sad but we didn't grow up with that so it is I mean it's true it's just a shift though I mean I think about you know the all the goat comparisons and stuff and it's like well but if Michael had played like if he had taken days off I don't think he like is wired to have been able to do that I don't think that he was like the kind of person who even thinking about the longer term could have or would have necessarily mm-hmm. sat out. It wasn't the culture of the league then, but now, I mean, coaches is, you know, I think 
Coach Popovich is one of the most incredible coaches in the league. And, you know, yeah. that's been a strategy to keep his players playing, you know, longer than they probably could have on other systems. So I think it's become popular and, and, it, and it, it's sad for the fans to an extent, but then they also do it to your point, get to see them playing longer into mm-hmm. their careers. But if you've seen LeBron's workouts, like the way that he takes care of his body too, like I, I don't yeah. know the estimate someone said there was, he spends like, man his on his body it's like yeah the, a lot of it is he's taking care of himself in a way that other players didn't always have technology to do either i mean we didn't even have trainers like in when no. i was a kid like my coach if i had an no. ankle or whatever in high school she had to like you know look in whatever paper book she had found in her on her <laughs> shelf of how to tape an ankle and like figure it out you know there was oh so God. think about all the resources that players have now at the college level i mean aau you know high school and then yeah. the pros especially they can kind of patch themselves up a little better too that's true. I mean, even looking at gear, right? Like, oh yeah. When we were kids, like the only gear that you needed were basketball shoes. I played and in like, literal Converse high tops for like All Stars one season. It's oh, absurd. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like it was ridiculous. <laughs> My poor feet. Like, you were like, you would like time travel from like Hoosiers. Yes. <laughs> and no one was like, maybe don't do that. Like right. that's unsafe. <laughs> no. Like. But now, I mean, I'm so glad I don't have kids because I'm like, you would think basketball would be like, yeah, you just need, you know, your little shoes and maybe knee pads if you have a really intense coach. But like, little hip pads and the skinny ones have the little ribs stuff as a football gear and stuff. Yeah, and and they've got the like sleeves and the, the, for all, a sleeve for everything. That's true. Like, I'm waiting for some kid to show up with a neck sleeve for some reason. <laughs> Playing in turtlenecks. Right. Like, my, my throat gets dry. I just yeah. need to keep it, yeah. keep it warmed like, up. The whole idea of, like, playing in long sleeve, like, all of that is so counter to what, like, we were, like, ripping the sleeves off <laughs> and, like, cutting our, like, basketball shirts so that they, like, barely touched at the bottom. Like, that yeah. was the look. And so it's so crazy how gear has changed it's always wild to see how like basketball the way you wear your uniform trends and like how they fit change yes like what are these shorts shorts men's shorts are getting up there we are going to get to like 70s era larry bird i'm telling you someone is going to do it they're really getting tight and i mean even just like the women like with the roll up and stuff you know i'm just like the first act when I became a uh, volleyball captain in high school was, I was like, my first act as captain is to go back to Umbro's. We are no longer wearing like the bun huggers. <laughs> like nice. I was like, we're wearing soccer shorts. That's That yeah. was my thinking, right? <laughs> so to the idea that we would now be wearing basically bun huggers, but in basketball is right. a little bit mind blowing to me, but it makes me also feel old. I'm like, oh, kids these days and their short shorts. <laughs> well, I mean, I definitely like, I feel like there were always a girls who like rolled their shorts when we were playing but now it's like they're like tailored like I, yeah. like I never understood how like Asia Wilson was getting like in college right like, a completely different fit yes, of cut. shorts like yes. this was not like these were like European cut like basketball yeah. shorts or some like they weren't just size medium they were like no. medium slim right exactly because in like three inch inseam like it's no one else on the team was wearing those. So it's not like they picked the same fit for everybody. But no. like now, I mean, I blame her for- <laughs> It's as she did start a trend. For, for all of these t- 
tiny, tiny shorts. And I guess it's more comfortable, but I also feel for the big girls. You right, because my thighs needed to breathe. They needed to, my thighs needed their own individual homes when I was trying to get down the court. It was hard enough yes. for me to get up and down as it was. I needed, they had to have their own space right. to live and learn, and I couldn't be yeah. trying to have them fight for that. So, yeah. I mean, I remember in high school too, like my uniform, what my sophomore year or freshman year was so small because they didn't give a girl, of course, anything good, right? So we had the right. old, like super old polyester. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting in trouble with the rest because my, jersey shirt and the shorts wouldn't stay tucked in and I rebounded <laughs> so I, like took your shirt in I was like I tried then I moved an inch and it came undone so I had to wear a t-shirt underneath the shirt it was just like yeah. the worst and I was wearing the tall socks to just make less of myself right I was like mm-hmm. just make it less like how do we because this is always there's a lot of shorts short short a lot of long big legs and I didn't think it was that comfortable back then but I also didn't know what actual size clothes I wore until I was like 38 because yeah. I was like wearing just men's 2X as like a default, no matter what mm-hmm. my actual size was. So yeah, I was stuck I in the Michigan basketball era for sure. Yeah. I remember my college coach being like, I'm not ordering you any more 2X because like I had, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she would send out like the size list that we would want for gear or whatever. And one year is like my sophomore year she sent it out and we were getting new like travel suits and so I said 2x for everything and those they would not stay up no you look crazy she was like I am so sick of watching you like walk through airports holding on to your pants because you got a ridiculous size pants like I am taking your like size ordering privileges away from you we needed needed adults yeah at that point for sure I mean, to be fair, I did have a an AAU coach shame me into wearing giant clothes. That's a whole. So. This it was wild. So, like coaching AAU, and I never played AAU because I was always going to band camp and all the other cool stuff <laughs> kids do in the summer instead of playing basketball, <laughs> which surprises no one who's ever met me. Um, but you know, I like I didn't play, but then I coached it for six years. And there's just so much of a different culture in that. Like, mm-hmm. I was blown away by, and, and I think, you know, we did a, a good job in the, the program I was in, I think, in being respectful of all of the parts, right? Like, all of this, when the girls were going through the, I want to wear short shorts, everyone else wore short shorts, but I don't have the thighs for it, and had to talk mm-hmm. through those kind of, you know, body image issues. But also the injury stuff, like, yeah, the overuse and the amount of, like, games you play I mean I was tired from the sidelines from the schedule we had Mm -hmm. I was coaching assistant coaching the 17 under in the like spring and summer and then head coach of the 15 under in the fall and so I was coaching like high school varsity in the winter and then I would Mm -hmm. go through the whole year and just continue to coach coach. and I was like these are the same kids like they're playing the whole year and like I'm tired how are their bodies holding up I just remember thinking like this is not I don't think I could have done it. Yeah. Well, and you see that, right? Like, because I definitely played more or less year round. Like I did track in the spring, but I also did AAU for a second or played like in some league that our high school team was playing in. And then I would go to basketball camp all summer and basketball camp was wild. Like, now as like a 40 year old to think that we would I would like wake up at seven o'clock in the morning eat whatever it was that my parents wouldn't let me have at home and then like like, 
walk a mile to whatever like yes. armory or whatever why was it so far it was always so freaking far and then play basketball and do drills for like four hours and then have lunch and then go and do it and like play games for the rest of the night yep. for a week straight and like how i was surviving and we didn't even drink water back then you wouldn't Not have really. water bottles walking around no, we were so no. dehydrated we I broke like, both my pinky toes at the Bruno's <laughs> camp when I was in middle school because I also had wore the same. <laughs> I wore the wrong size shoes till I was like 35 years old. And so I had like, I remember just like walking around like <laughs> a very like big toe forward walk, just trying to like keep my pinkies off the ground. Cause I was like, man, I have been jamming these bad boys in there all day. And this is not a good, just they felt yeah. hot and red and they, they just hurt and i was oh like well God. it's the second day of a five-day camp so we're out here i guess yeah. <laughs> and for anybody who does not know like anybody who's not from like the chicago tri-state area doug bruno was like a rite of passage for i love it i love it i love girls it who played basketball and like it was going to be the most intense basketball camp that you could like go to without being invited right <laughs> And it was, I mean, seriously, though, he, like, you were psychotic by the end of that camp because he was such a great motivator, but you were also very much, like, had low-key injuries because everyone was psychotic. So tired. I think I slept for days when I got home. Yeah. (laughs) And his biggest flex was that he picked the ugliest possible t-shirt colors. Why were they so bad? He was like, he was into the like natural dye before Crunchy Moms came around and repopularized it. Cause he'd be like, khaki team, let's go. Sage, let's go. (laughs) It was all whatever was left over at the t-shirt factory. (laughs) Burnt orange. (laughs) You have like your cute little like you know, tie-dye basketball shorts on, and they're like, you're on the brown team. You're like, like, cool. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, you're right. The overuse, one of the things I found myself wondering, too, we were watching a women's college basketball game. I don't know, it was like a UConn game. I was thinking about, and you know, Paige Beckers, and um, who's their other? Oh, um, Azzy Fudd were both on the bench and those are those were their two big name recruits obviously Paige Beckers everyone knows who that is and I think it's actually AZ Fudd um and AZ was you know supposed to be you know they were going to be the one-two punch and neither of them have been able to put together a full uninjured season yeah and it's like you're and I feel like we're seeing that happen more and more where these top recruits are coming in and immediately injured and you have to wonder like these injuries are not one-offs like oh I I tore my ACL you know in practice I feel like these injuries are also because college can or high school conditioning has gotten so intense yeah like the way that these kids are worked out from the time that they're like eight yeah you have like eight-year-olds doing weight training yeah free weights they, it's wild they don't even have actual bones yet <laughs> like, they're, just, they're like little saplings like this cannot be good physiologically and I know that you know a lot of 
training gyms are opening and people have their, you know, degrees and things like that. But I just, I don't know that we, because the intensity that we're working kids out with is kind of gotten really big in the last 15 years, I'd say, we don't have any like longitudinal data of like what that's going to do to them. Right. I mean, you think about like, I mean, I know that when I think about the women I played against, particularly as adults who were in great shape, like, yeah, they were lifting and carrying on, but they were mostly just playing a lot mm-hmm. of, like, it was, they weren't like pushing their bodies into a weird position they weren't familiar with. They were just playing so much. Like they were right. getting strong from the act of playing, which I think is happening because there's a lot of games, but there's also this right. extra training component to it. And I think that, I think about just basis of like stretching, right? About like mm-hmm. how much better I feel when I foam roll and all these things that I think because people are spending more time on strategy and on, you know, practicing skills and stuff, like you just don't do that stuff mm-hmm. as much. Maybe the kids are, I mean, I, I've not been in the college practice in years now to see sort of what that looks like, but I do think that there's a lot to be said for putting in the time to prepare your bodies to work out. And then to rehab from that, I think that also acknowledging that girls are doing different stuff specifically than they were before. So I think there's, mm-hmm. when I speak about women athletes, like we did different workouts as bigs than our guards did half the time. Right. And I think now like everyone's doing all the same stuff. And so yeah. their bodies are moving in different ways than they were before. And so, like, you know, I had bigs who were having a lot of knee injuries and I'm like, well, you are cutting more than I ever would have, and you're <laughs> right. doing more. Like you're bending, there's dribbling, right? So that's on, in that's on you for stopping on a dime, right? I'm like, <laughs> your agility is actually problematic for your body now. I don't know what to tell you, but like, I mean, it, it's a, I don't know. I, I, I think about Kevin Ware um, from oh, Louisville, and like just thinking oh. about how an axe so small coming down that you know in that shot. Like it's, yeah. your shin shouldn't like shatter. Like it just like no. at 20 years old, right? Like we should have stronger enough bones to come down when we are in the air and there's right. no one around us, right? To fall. right. I just don't. And so there's that piece of, I think, where we see potentially overuse or maybe like, you know, people not identifying injuries earlier on and then they end up being compounded in college. And you also see, I think, which is a bad, we don't talk about it enough, but like, the pros, you see people like Paul George um, come back from tragic injuries where he like went to the sanction underneath the basket and like you see mm-hmm. this awful injury happen. Mm-hmm. And he's like back playing for years and years doing great. But the young guys aren't seeing what he had to go through to rehab for that or the what's offered to him and available to him as a pro athlete. To, so I think there's this mentality of, well, if I get injured, I gotta get back in the game. Yeah. And we had that from like a scrappy mentality. I don't want to miss playing time. I don't want to let my team down. I don't want to mm-hmm. like be on the sidelines, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I don't remember thinking of it as like, well, if this athlete can get back out there in a few weeks after their injury, I should be able to do the same thing. It's like, I didn't, I didn't have that frame of reference to know right. what's possible when you have all kinds of resources. Right. Right. I mean, in college, I feel like my coaches had that mentality somehow. like we should be getting better faster like I mean I think some of it is also the the culture of that like that team creates and that that coach creates and if you if if an athlete perceives that there is a negative consequence in terms of 
their standing on the team or their value on the team because they get injured, that is only encouraging kids yep. to ignore injuries and to yeah. wait too long to report them. And I mean, that happened to me my freshman year, right? Like I all through high school really was never injured and then had like an overuse like issue, like where as soon as I finished my high school senior basketball season, I was working out super hard because I was terrified that I wouldn't be in shape for college. And then, you know, she sent our workouts and I was doing those like twice as much as I probably was supposed to because I was terrified that I wouldn't be in shape for college and just like overdoing it, overdoing it. So about a third of the way through my freshman season, like I, my feet would be throbbing by the end of the practice. They were so bad that I like our locker room was downstairs from our gym and I would literally walk out of the gym. And then as soon as I got to the stairs, like sit on the stairs and scoot down the stairs. And because I went to a small school that didn't have a trainer, like we didn't know a whole lot about injuries or talk about it. And because I wasn't necessarily at a team where the culture was take care of your body. We want you to, whatever it takes, however much time it takes, whatever care you need to give it, that is the priority. If you can still play, we want you to take care of your body so that you can play. If you can't play, we want you to take care of your body so that eventually you can play. And really what was clearly valued was like, be ready to play at all times. Yeah. And if you're not, then it's, it almost felt like there was, um, that there was like doubt cast on you, that you weren't mm. working hard and that you didn't have a hard work ethic. And so therefore, you know, you're coming up with injuries. You should just play through it, like whatever. And so I'm sitting there doing this and just being like, well, it just seems dumb to tell my coach, like my feet hurt. Right. <laughs> Of course they do. Like she made us jump rope for five minutes straight and then run 30 sidelines. Like, of course they pass on that, you know? And finally I did and she didn't believe me. And it was because our senior, like she was a junior senior. My, she was a senior, my freshman year. She had just been diagnosed with stress fractures in her feet. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a possibility. Maybe that's what's going on with mine because they're bright red and swollen and they sure do hurt. And I was also popping like 12 ibuprofen a day. That's like, nuts. Crazy like that. And she, um, I finally was just like, I'm gonna, I have to get these checked out. And I had to go back to Chicago for the day um, to go get the like contrast MRI or whatever and I guess in the practice that I missed while I was seeking medical attention she told the team like oh I bet that uh, or Ashley's not here uh, because she went to Chicago to get an MRI she thinks she has stress fractures but if I were a betting woman um, I would say you know I wouldn't put any money on that boy bye crazy like that and let me like clarify this is division three 
right? Like, you don't pay me to be here. The audacity. <laughs> To shame someone at a school volunteering that's their time academically selective. So also, you know, I'm smart. You know, <laughs> like I'm capable of like making good decisions and using things like logic. Um, and it turned out, yeah, I had stress fractures in both feet, like bad ones. Now what? And so you then know? I spent the rest of my freshman year riding a bike during practice, and then only playing in games which built a whole lot of resentment for other people on the team who had to practice every day and didn't get the playing time I did. And but you're at, that's a coach thing. You're at, that's, that's a culture and that's a, and that's yeah. like, you can't, the athlete themselves has to worry about themselves and like getting better and being, you know, like healthy for like the games are also life. Cause mm-hmm. like you keep playing with stress fractures, don't say anything about it. And now what? Now you're right. 40 and then what? You know what I mean? It just, it just, that's up to a coach to set that tone. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean, so much of it is team culture and how they handle injuries and how they make athletes feel about injuries. And, you know, like there's something kind of similar going on like that um, in the WNBA with the Aces, right? Like, so did you hear about this with Erica Hamby? Yeah, her pregnancy. So, yeah, so she's, Two times six women of the year helped lead her team to uh, to a championship like this past season. Had been told apparently that she would have a, in June that they planned to extend her contract and that she would get an extension. And then um, announced that she was pregnant. I'm pretty sure she planned on playing though, at least part of the season. I feel like plans I don't know how far along she is but I feel like I read somewhere that she's planning on playing she wasn't trying to sit out the whole season due to pregnancy mm-hmm. um but announced that she was pregnant and then strangely got traded right and she actually made a statement and you know accused her team of kind of gaslighting her not appreciating her, lying to her. Um, and the funny thing is, is that the Aces have not really disputed any of it. Like they've come out with their statements about like, oh, we're, we're a family first team and we value all of our players. But I don't think that they've released a statement saying like what Dierica is accusing us of is patently untrue. Um, they're staying pretty quiet. And I know they're under investigation by the Players right. Association. And so there's not much they probably want to say. But, you know, that's another part that you really have to wonder about with female athletes. Like, the idea that getting pregnant now makes you a liability and you can yeah. just be, like, kicked off of your team. Um, which I think is... I don't know if it's uniquely American, but I do know in EuroLeague, for instance, if a player gets pregnant, then she gets maternity leave and she gets, you know, her full benefits and it's treated like any other job. Yeah. Um, You're no longer, you're not just disposable now because, you know, you're, you're having a kid. And so especially as we talk about how long these athletes' careers are going and how long they expect, especially top elite, you know, kind of 
marquee players to play in order to continue to draw crowds and, you know, raise the visibility, you're also asking these women women and expecting these women to give up all of their like ideal childbearing years. And you're creating a culture where they feel pressured to do that. And there's no support system around it. I think that, you know, it's like, I think about, this is you know, a different issue. You think about travel, even like if I'm, you know, sitting in the middle seat in the back row because we are flying southwest, and I had a sea boarding group for some reason because like that's what the WNBA flies. Like there are certain <laughs> right, like there we, re- we request sea boarding group. <laughs> They're like, good luck. And I miss. I can't afford it, but you want me for the early run the ticket? No, I have to I have to actually remember to be there at the moment to like 24 hours in advance. Like there are just little things like that that I think add to the bigger issue of mm-hmm. women's health too. It's like there are minor inconveniences that add up that the league also isn't addressing necessarily that wrap around this bigger picture, right? So mm-hmm. there's that there's the there's a job security piece, there's the fact that you know, making sure that we have the right kind of healthcare available to us too. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I haven't looked at the, the most recent CBA, but I know that there were improvements in um, maternity yeah. and those sort of things, but I don't know if like egg freezing is something that they have, that they have been able to get um, paid for or covered for the women. There's, I don't know how much effort's being put into educating around different ways of creating families too, because some of it is, as you see happen in corporate America in all different ways, like women putting off having families because they're worried about job security or because they keep thinking, well, just to get to the next rung, the next rung, the next rung. And before you know it, they look around, it's like, well, man, like I missed these ideal windows and I did it for this thing that they could just kick me out at any moment. Like right. At the end of the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, this was like, I, I hope, and I, I think it probably was just based on her statement, but I feel like every, regardless as to what you're, actual industry is every young professional at some point has that like that job don't love you moment Mm -hmm. where you realize that you've given so much like way more than just oh the hours that I spent in the office and you know um the like intellectual property that I'm just giving to you which is literally all corporate jobs are just like stealing people's intellectual property (laughs) but Um, but you're actually giving up, especially, but especially female athletes or women who have jobs where that, you know, where labor is required, um, like physical labor, you're giving up like really important years of your life. Yeah. And you're giving up a lot of possibilities and, you know, it's just. The WNBA, in a lot of ways, has stepped up and decided to be, you know, the voice of social consciousness in the sports world, and I commend them for that, but the CBA is trash. (laughs) It really is, and I get that it's way better than the one that was before that. Right. And, but there were just so many blind spots in it, and it just makes you, like, Part of me, like when I read it, I was like, 
do they have an attorney? Like, does the do the players right. association Who's, like have an attorney? Just looking at it for them, yeah, yeah, with their interests in mind, like negotiating this for them, or are they really on their own to negotiate some of these things? Because, yeah. you know, a team. I'm honestly, I'm kind of surprised they didn't walk out last season, because yeah. especially once there was that news that. Um, the New York Liberty had created, yep. had figured out a deal where everybody could fly, could charter for free for four years. That's crazy. Like, and there were owners that were like, nah, this is my little write-off. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't be having this make money. No, like, and in four years, I still want it to be a write-off. In four years, I don't want it to expand to the extent that we could easily afford chartering flights. Yeah. And it's just, it's just absolutely insane. And you're right. It all has an impact on your, like I flew coach, you know, I flew coach <laughs> unhappily. to Los Angeles, <laughs> very unhappily. Um, and I couldn't fly in an exit row because I had my dog with me and they don't let you bring your dog in the exit row. So I had to fly like coach, coach. I just, my inseam is 36 inches. Yep. I'm it's so uncomfortable. Leg. So like yeah. there's, it's, it's not like I'm just like an asshole. And I know that there are people who are six foot one who have really long torsos who can be very comfortable in coach. We're, we are not those people. I am, we are not those people. Like I, you know how like little kids draw their dads where like their dads are like all leg and then like they almost look like bugs. Because it's like all legs and then like the body is like 15% like the height of all the legs and then just like a little head. That's actually my figure. So I was between having like a dog between my feet and I mean I had the window seat because I also have broad shoulders and I want that for myself at least. My back, and then I went to LA and then for a week did like hair and makeup two hours a day on somebody else. So it was like bent over. My back was so messed up when we got back. And like, I don't do, like, I, I flew coach one way and did two hours of hair and makeup on someone else. And I was completely messed up. And I don't think it was because, oh, you're old and out of shape. It was because for five and a half hours, I had to contort my body into a position that was not good for And then get out and play a game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's too, the the women are going to have to then go on mostly and have jobs when they're done playing. So it's not like, Mm -hmm. so it's like the, the best years for this one thing maybe happening right now, even if you end up leaving the league, before 41 you're gonna need a day job for most people right. to make a living after right. the WNBA so now you have to then navigate this whole process again with another employer you know and so it's hopefully not hopefully they'll hire you at the director level so that you can get that ergonomic chair and like right. standing desk like and maternity right leave is more start. than a, a month <laughs> right. you know right yeah and paternity leave is also crap so it's like literally I've said this before about the NCAA, but I might just feel this way about like most sports leagues, but 
like I, I said like if the NCAA didn't change their motto to like fuck them kids somebody should sue them for fraud like because the accuracy like, because so much there's just so many ways that like athletes actual well-being at every level of a sport is overlooked and it's just absolutely ridiculous and you know, everybody, when it happens in front of you, right? Like when you have like a Tua situation or like a Hamlin situation where it happens in front of you and the entire country is traumatized. Right. That's the only time that it becomes worthy of having a conversation because yeah. it took millions of people to have that like shared trauma which isn't a percentage of the trauma that the athlete who's injured is going through or their teammates to start the conversation. And already like Super Bowl's over conversation is people yep. are already like on Hamlin's butt because he wore a jacket that right. you know, was offensive, quote yeah. unquote, apparently. Um, so before it was like pray for him pray for him he's been through so much like the nfl needs to be responsible for this and now that you see him walking around it's like okay fair game again yeah you're just you know and one of the things that i thought that was absolutely nuts to me was um you know when denise started working with football players and obviously the nfl takes out insurance policies on, yep. on their athletes, right? So the NFL, if an athlete gets injured, profit. They get a, yep. they get an insurance payout. And so if you're, you know, third string or like last off the bench kind of player in the NFL and you're of the 50, you know, 52, 53, however many people it is, um, you're not getting a whole lot of snaps. You're not doing, you know, very much like you're really just there as like su support squad. Um, you actually probably make them more money injured mm -hmm. with a career ending injury than you do playing for them. Like, well, the NCAA really has those policies too on kids. Yeah. And that should be like, that's great. Like, right. A student athlete is not considered employees. They don't get workers' compensation, right? So that, that's right. the argument. But mm -hmm. then the critical injury insurance replaces it, uh, replaces the loss of value insurance um, that was, I guess, popular in the 2010s. And it's like mm -hmm. it protects elite athletes who projected to land a certain um, range in the upcoming pro draft who fall enough because in, in the draft or because of their injuries. And it's like, well, that's the university's benefit. Right. The players don't get that money, oh. which like is absolutely insane. And so the first thing that Denise has to do when she gets a new kid who wants to declare for the draft and is talking to a family whose kid wants to declare for the draft is like, make sure that they're insured. Yeah. And all, all the athletes out there that don't have you know, a, and agents are not going to necessarily be on top of it enough to tell you to do that because agents, their job is really to just negotiate your contract with the league. Like that is what their minds are on 
like doing laying whatever groundwork they have to in order to get you to the highest possible draft pick you can possibly get that's where they're at sending you to combine camp just doing everything they can to get you drafted as high as you can beyond that they're not really concerned with you especially in your first contract year a lot of agents barely take any money your first contract year because it's not even worth it to them they want to stick around for your second contract so they're definitely not going into the weeds and making sure that you're insured and you know that you have any kind of contingencies should you get injured or not get picked up because you got injured and not have insurance like so it's absolutely insane to me that you know the NCA that it's legal for the NCA to benefit because also if a they no longer are a member or an NCA athlete the second that they declare for the draft they are no longer amateur they cannot come back once they've said that. I could understand if players were allowed to come back after they declared, if they could go all the way through the draft, and if they didn't get drafted, come back and play their senior season. They're not allowed to do that. So the fact that you can just still get money off of that because, you know, he fell in the draft order is – it's so transparently – right the commodification of a human being and oh, of yeah. your body. And yeah, the long-term effects too. It's just like, I think about like, regardless of what ends up happening with, you know, your a pro career or whatever, it's like concussion protocol. How many times, I mean, I don't know if you, I've had three major concussions in my life, two of them basketball related. Uh, one of them high winds in Chicago and a, <laughs> it involved a, uh, it involved an outdoor heating lamp that went rogue with the when a wind gust caught it but neither here nor there um my high school concussion I went back in the game and played and the next day was like hey did we win my mom was like I'm sorry you played like you have like 16 points it was was like I continued to play and did not remember having been a part of that game Mm -hmm. and then in college we had trainers who did like notice that I was a little bit wonky and they put me back in then they took me out when they saw me kind of wandering around the court um but then like days later I was working at the um at the physical education complex and I was reading the same page over and over again in a textbook mm-hmm. while I was waiting for them to give out the towels at the pool and our trainer walked by and saw me just kind of like staring at my book and she's like are you okay I'm like I don't know I've been on this page for kind of a long time yeah and so I you know they, they had me go in and get um a CT scan all of that but like that was sort of at the beginning of people actually noticing when someone is, you know, was sort of just passed mm-hmm. you just got your bell, bell rung stage into the like, we should probably check this out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I have friends who had multiple concussions who are a little bit older than I am, who are now adults and they are managing serious issues. Like neurological issues, yeah. Yes, because they were concussed and went back in the game. And like, I mean, I've witnessed people who have had multiple concussions. Teammate of mine, we were playing in an adult league game she had several concussions before, had been out for a while, back playing her first or second game back from having, you know, being out. She got tapped in the head. It was a tap. Mm-hmm. And she just dropped. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen that before. Someone just be so taken out by something so minor, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. But her poor brain had just yeah. been through so much. And I think about like, you know, where were the coaches and trainers and people and advocates when they knew 
she was going through this, but also she probably wasn't telling him all the time because of what you said right. before about team culture. Playing for Teresa Grants is not the time to be telling someone you got a head, you got, oh. you got a headache, you know, right? So yep. there's yep. probably that piece of it too. But now as a whole grown adult person, she's trying to navigate these things that happened to her when she was playing college basketball. And so mm-hmm. that I mean, I'm just, I'm concerned about the longer term impacts and not just the fact that all former ball players of a certain stature walk like phil jackson at a certain point in their lives yeah. right like we all have a sort of like a, a strange <laughs> a little, a little like lope right like there, there's that stuff there's the fact that yeah. you know we have the crooked fingers and the toes and the whatever but like there are those other injuries some of those are certainly ones that are caused that are not physical but they're emotional caused by coaches and other mm-hmm. terrible experiences and others are concussion or you know the back pain things that end up having bigger problems right because once you're out of the system where people care about you supposedly then you're taking pills and then you're like there's like so many things that snowball when a high school college athlete experiences an injury and they're just released into the world to be a person again without the care yeah like that was shocking to me the first knee surgery that i had as like a regular person like the quality or lack thereof of physical therapy that I got like I was accustomed to my trainers like physical therapy being about yes we're going to recover you yeah we're going to make you stronger so that we can like prevent that injury in the future so like you got that injury because you have you know your quads are weak but your hamstrings are strong and so you have that disparity so we're really going to work on quad strength we're really going to work on balance and my physical therapist after what actually was like my most intense knee surgery I'm there and I'm like okay like what's the plan and she's telling me I'm like well that doesn't really seem advanced enough and that doesn't really seem like enough time and she's like my job as far as the insurance company is concerned is for you to walk it's crazy that's a super low level excuse me like is this 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 negligence like are you I can't like And it was just, I could not get my head around it. And she was cool in that she was like, basically she wrote me up like an athlete's recovery, like what her um, kind of recovery program would be if I were an athlete. And then just like, let me come into the office and go Mm -hmm. through the notebook and do whatever it is that I needed to do. And so then she didn't have to charge me for a session, but I got lucky that I had a physical therapist that was like, I understand, ma'am, that you're 28 and that you're accustomed to being treated a certain way. (laughs) And so I'm going to see what I can do to accommodate that. But like, yeah, it's, and and also dealing with insurance and things like that and pre-existing conditions. You have a history of concussions from your athletic career, like that's documented. And so if like the girl you know, in your rec league, you have that like final, you know, concussion. And there is a lady on TikTok who I follow who has basically all of the symptoms of a traumatic brain injury. Like she can't remember words, she slurs, she can't drive anymore. Like her entire life in every way is impacted. And she actually doesn't remember what like what happened to cause the TBI, but she had already had prior concussions. Like she had had like three bad ones from the time that she was nine up until that point. 
And her doctors are like, it might have been something as simple as, like, bumping your head, you know. Yep. Like, just, like, a bumping your head in a way that wasn't even memorable, and you fell asleep and woke up with a TBI, yep. basically. And we don't talk about that. We just really don't. And we definitely, we have definitely broached the issue more with football because of CTE. But, you know... There are every athlete who plays a semi quasi contact sport is out here getting concussions. Yeah. Bad ones. And the bigger and faster and stronger athletes get, like the only thing yes. we cannot build is our skulls. Like we right. can't, there's like nothing we can do to our head to make it more impact friendly. And so the harder you're getting hit, like, it's going to keep getting worse. So yeah. And I'm sure that the NCAA and insurance companies and everyone else will figure out how to, you know, monetize that. Right. But it's, it's absolutely horrifying the lack of support there are for, you know, middle-aged MVPs. Right. Well, and then, you know, the, the, it is, it's kind of silly because everyone's like, oh, pickleball, right? It's such a fun, like, emerging sport. But, like, mm-hmm. I think I read somewhere that see there are, like, 19,000 like injuries a year in pickleball. In pickleball? Yeah, there are, like, 19, it was, it was 90% of those affect people 50 and older. So it's people who, like, haven't been doing anything or haven't been doing that. Oh, pickleball, how bad can that be? It's a non-contact sport. You just get out there. And they're busting up their ankles and knees and wrists. And, and it's like, so there's there are so many levels of injuries that happen. So it's athletes like me who think that bulging discs in my back are like a suggestion, not like a, they're, they're not like the, not they're the yield, not a stop sign. Right. Right? And I go back out and play and then I can't get out of bed for a day afterward. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's it's people who are like used to being at a certain level, then go back out or who don't stretch and then tear an Achilles. So there's like those, there's mm-hmm. that piece of it too. The like, weekend warrior injuries. There's people who are try, like, trying out a sport for the first time or who are not athletic, who are just jumping into something. Yeah. And it's like, now those things are happening, plus the arthritis and the overuse and like, just the mm-hmm. things that our bodies have been able to accommodate for so many years. And then they wake up one day and they go on strike. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just the injury piece, as an athlete, like I look back at pictures from college and almost every picture of me and my friends taken during the winter, there's a bruise on somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, on my somebody, right? God. That's a lot Bad of bruises. ones, like contusions. Yes, like like, like there lumpy. would be people with like yeah, like firm generating yes. their own heat, like yes. horrible bruises. Yeah. and everybody be like, ah, oh, look at that, and like that was that was that was yes. the bruise, and they might put an ace bandage on it and like send you It'd back out there. Yeah, and I think about like the there's a different mentality too when you were used to those kind of things that. There, I think probably a non-athlete would have stopped short many times if they were in my body and felt certain things. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm it's happening to me again where I'm like, okay, a reasonable person would be worried about this pain or is it like, is it athlete brain or is yep. it like a reasonable, like I have to look at my health through the eyes of a regular person who wasn't conditioned to think about like power whatever that means right yeah like we have absolutely no no idea of our own level of pain no I have no idea like it's always like I always 
get nervous that if I go to the doctor with some kind of complaint of pain and they show me the little one to 10 thing, that they're going to think, they're going to see me struggle with that question and think I'm like a pill seeker. Yeah. Because like as soon know. as they pull it out, I'm like, four? Is it like carry the one? Like, is it like, what's the multiplier for athletes? Like, I need <laughs> yes. to, you know, because we are literally conditioned not just to ignore pain, but to embrace it. Yeah, like, it exists through it. Power through seventh grade, like, basketball camp and you're gonna see some kid some like 11 year old girl wearing a t-shirt that says like pain is weakness leaving the body right or, you know <laughs> what I mean like which is that is not what pain is no that is like, are you hurt or are you injured those kind of questions I think about that all the time I'm just like mm-hmm. does it matter like can I sit down I mean someone will ask me like and the doctor will say, well, how, I went to, I started going to a chiropractor, which has been helpful uh, for my back pain. And they're like, well, how, like, is your pain constant? And I was like, I guess I feel like I don't know because I'm always in a little bit of pain for the last right. 25 years. You've been microdosing so I, pain. Like, right, we right. So I'm like, I don't really know the difference. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, until it's like way too late. And then you like yeah. report late and they're like, wow, we really wish you had told us that your knee was shattered this whole right. time <laughs> it's probably fine like it's, it's probably fine is a statement that I make more than I absolutely should to be a mm-hmm. healthy something it's probably fine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I've had some like real bad like bumps or like twists that I've just been like I mean I'll just ice it elevate it <laughs> right you know? Race it up, it'll be fine. It there. Yeah, it'll be fine. And I like hobble through it. Like I've broken all of my toes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, toes. not that there's much that they can do about it anyway, but like right. I can definitely think of like maybe two or three instances as an adult where I should have been in a boot. I mean, here's I the thing. Like, just, you know. <laughs> you let me know because I have learned in my adult life to keep an assortment of boots. I got the low boot, I got the mid boot and the high boot because <laughs> you never like know. The far of boots. Yeah. <laughs> It's real because you never know when you're going to need to just immobilize your foot. Like you just never know. I was walking the dog like six months ago or something, maybe a little bit before that. And she took off after a squirrel and I like stepped funny off of the a stair in front of my oh, building. Yeah. And I was like, that's going to be my kids, but I'm getting this boot right now. And so I like, hobble in the garage, go through my boot assortment to figure out which one's appropriate for the particular injury I'm experiencing. And just put my boot on. And then I eventually did call my doctor and I was like, here's what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Like they, they, they kind of like let me run with it because they know yeah. that I can kind of figure it out. But the number of times where like I was playing in a uh, in a women's league, this is probably 2000, I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. And I get to the gym, Chase Park. We only have five people. It's a championship game. And the first defensive play of the game I deflected a ball. The ball was deflected and it bounced off of my thumb in a oh. way that makes that thud sound that everyone in the gym is like, oh, yeah. we want no subs. And I don't believe in losing. And so I was like, okay, it's fine. We got this. And it played the rest of the game. We did end up winning because I wasn't going to be busted up in my finger and lose. Right. And at the end of the game, I get in the car and just started, sque- I would turn the car on my table. Good. Yeah. screaming crying like hyperventilating oh. like their adrenaline was wearing off mm-hmm. and I realized I was like I have 
broken my thumb. Like, yeah. this, like it's, something is very wrong with this. And so yeah. I like drove myself over to the little uh, Walgreens and like got some splints and tape and whatever. And I was like, I guess I'll just do this until tomorrow. Like, I don't know. I, like, yeah. I just, I, the number of times that I, and I had a boutonniere deformity in my pinky and then I had, I broke, there was actually a, a fracture in my ring finger on my right hand. These all happened within like a year, a couple mm-hmm. years after playing as adults. And I had to go to a job the next day and like right. type and my right. fingers were busted up. Right. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Right. But I wasn't willing to like, not that I could fix it at that point anyway, but I was not willing to stop playing. Mm-hmm. Now mind you, I am like 30 years old at this point, right? I was not willing to stop playing mm-hmm. in the game because of an injury. No one's paying me. I'm paying them to let me play. Right. Right. No one actually even cares. Like we got, you know, the trophy you get is ugly and you don't want that. And only one person gets it. Right. You and only no, get they, one. They don't even want it. You can get like medals. Yeah. And so I'm like, but my brain couldn't let me not finish mm-hmm. that game out. But then my brain also couldn't let me power through the thumb. Right. right? Like, I guess I'll just go and figure it out myself. And then maybe yep. tomorrow I'll call somebody. And like, mm-hmm. if it's not better, take some pics with the doc. I don't, it just, the mentality yeah. is so bizarre. And this is like, from someone who played division three basketball and then adult leagues. Like this is no one's ever paid me mm-hmm. to do my sport. Like this yeah. is different than you, right? But like I've never, and I'm still wired like this. And I so, mean, it's Australia. Nobody really paid me that much. Either, but <laughs> that's not like, where you go to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> where you go to wear onesies when you play, but it's not where you go to get paid. Oh my God. Just, that was like, I was so <laughs> nervous. Like one, I before I would commit, I was like, I need to see pictures of team uniforms going back like three to four years to yeah. make sure that you are consistently going to be in jerseys and shorts. Because if I get here and you pull the okie doke and make me wear a goddamn bodysuit, <laughs> why they love it? They love the bodysuit. It's so bad. It's, it's so comfortable. Is it though? For who? Yeah. You know exactly. But yeah, I, I, I think about like. If we're like that, is that a generational thing though? Like, are are these younger players gonna have better sense than we do because they had more intervention, they had more trainers and medical care, and they were like, is are we just a, a certain place in time where folks our age and older just kind of power through stuff and yeah. they're gonna be different and they will walk better when they're older and like stop short of destroying their bodies? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they might walk better when they're older because of like technology. Yeah. But, like, I feel like, no, we still, you know, we still glorify, like, winning at all costs. We still glorify, Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, sucking it up. And, you know, if you listen to any, any sport, okay, I can't say, I don't know much about how injuries work with NASCAR. Um, However any other sport (laughs) if you listen to any of them the commentators are always going to oh that kid is as tough as they come like oh that was a big hit oh he's up he's tough he's gonna keep playing and i mean that is the that is the conditioning right yeah grow up watching sports which makes us want to be athletes and we because of like color commentary, know what's good and know what's bad. And everyone is conditioned by that. And so I think, I think that's one of the really toxic things about sports is this whole, 
narrative of persevering has been like really like perverted yeah and we just i i don't know that kids are going to be any better the one thing that could make kids better about reporting and taking time is like nil yeah because like you can now be making more money in college especially if you're a women's athlete like a female athlete um you can be making more money in college than you will in a pro league and so the benefit of just staying and recovering and then playing another year you can still be earning money while you're doing that that's a good point um And, and maybe the coaches maybe people like us continue to be involved those who went through these the generational stuff like to to remember those bad coach stories of those who did not create a culture of safety and like looking out for yourself and your teammates and then because there were times when I was coaching where I'd have a kid be like hey coach so-and-so's injured she don't want to tell you and I was like I'm not mad at that like I'm like I'm it's awkward that you just read out your teammate but also they weren't going to tell me and they were hiding it and you know that that's not good for them. And so I'm not mad that you were looking out for your teammate in that way. So maybe it's possible that as the coaches, you know, and and trainers and commentators and stuff come up who've been through what we went through in our sort of age range, they'll help to encourage better behavior. That's true. I mean, you're right. I think maybe actually this next generation of athletes, if they're going to, you know, start to shake off that, that whole narrative it will be because our generation yeah we did it and (laughs) like to ourselves but also we had access to enough therapy to be (laughs) able to say that we were conditioned (laughs) and did this to ourselves and it was not ideal and so to approach I mean it's uh, it's to approach coaching with more compassion I think you know we've both coached and we both wanted to just absolutely launch kids into the sun um at various moments for being kids but at the same time I think I can I'm confident that every single kid when they're like 25 oh they are 25 oh my god um so maybe they can look back now and be like you know what like they were hard on me but they actually did coach with some compassion yeah like when things were legitimately hard, they would say, Hey, go, go take a minute. Like, yeah. And then keep me after practice and let me know like what's going on is okay. Like you're safe here, you know? Um, and so hopefully uh, that's, that's going to continue to happen. I just, one of the things that I've always worried about with coaching at the college level is that the second that uh, an adult's livelihood that part is resting on the performance of an adolescent yep that just leaves so much space for them to project their own anxieties their own frustrations and their own fears on people who need the exact opposite yeah like and I don't know how you, well, I mean, you address that by pay, paying the players too. So that's very, there you go. You know, so that there's not that power dynamic and that, you know, players end up having more control over where they go. And I think that that is happening again with NIL, right? Like, I think that 
schools that are using NIL and making sure that they're providing um, a lot of support for students with NIL or schools that have students who are getting big NIL contracts um, or are providing those contracts themselves through cooperatives or whatever um, are now creating this landscape where now the recruits have the power in a way like you're yeah. not just sitting around like hoping that somebody's going to recruit you or I just want to get into this school because they want me like you're actually you actually have some bargaining chips that you can work with or some things that you know you can work with so hopefully that shakes up some things about the culture but and I think it also an image and likeness is an opportunity for advocacy I think mm -hmm. any time that especially female athletes but anytime that folks are given an opportunity to stand up for themselves and make choices for themselves, it's practice. And so mm -hmm. what you're doing with these decisions about who to work with and what yeah. you will and won't support and all that. And, you know, yeah. that's enough. It, it's more practice of how to advocate for yourself when you have a sprained ankle or right. when you have a, like, you know, it's like every time that you feel confident in the decisions that you make, that's building that muscle up too. Yeah. Um, you're right. That like helps. in that way, these kids are built different because the way that they are utilizing this transfer portal Yo, makes my head spin. <laughs> like, they are just, I mean, and I know that there's a lot of transfers happening because everybody has their, like, or people are still, like, working through their pandemic year. Yeah. But still, I think that also NIL has made the transfer portal, like, a really big strategic part of, like, how and where students are choosing to go and how long they're taking like choosing to stay there yeah um which all of those things as you give athletes as you empower them to take care of themselves it really does force the institutions and the coaches to follow suit because yeah. if you don't they're just gonna leave and go get paid somewhere else <laughs> and i think what i'm loving which is i mean it's it's sad for me as someone whose favorite players were growing up were uh, Steve Kerr uh, and Becky Hammond. That's why I wore number 25 for them and was built like Aww. Charles Barkley. Um, that the playing that sort of European style play where I could have been, you know, like actually allowed to shoot threes in games or like had been taught how to dribble, for example, like any of those things yeah, that didn't happen because right. the time I came up. Where you were told if you dribble the ball. I will yank you so fast. I'm like, why am I in trouble for having a skill that I'm supposed to have? <laughs> right. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I right. think about the, like, coaching, how we had our babe in the ball up the floor to break press because other teams couldn't defend it. Like, mm -hmm. she could dribble enough to get up and down the floor, and they didn't mm -hmm. know what to do. So, like, that's great. You dribble the ball right. now. Oh, mm -hmm. you open for a three? You shoot the three. So, there was, like, the five-out interchangeability made it so that we could – I don't, I don't think I thought about it this way at the time, but the mm -hmm. fact that more players are playing different positions, there are guards that have post skills and posts that have guard skills, mm -hmm. and that we, you can play a small lineup, and if you're a good enough coach, have a strategy to make that work, even against a bigger yeah. team. Like, yeah. it, as the coaches get more sophisticated, and as the players get a deeper skill set, that also impacts injury, because in our day, if we were out, then there was not a rebound being had on no. the court. Right. And so there was a pressure to you having an injury when there was not a backfill for your position or your skill set. Facts. And so I do feel like yeah. that's what I'm seeing with like, I'm always shocked when I'm like, how is UConn still winning when they have like their great players are out? They have depth 
in a way, and they have strategic coaching. Well, they have of enough depth. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have like the two. They can do like, enough, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, I think that's where previously it was like if a player was injured, you could count that team out, out. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now it's not the case at any level. You watch, you know, whether it's pros mm-hmm. or it's like you're seeing teams. Those stats aren't the way they used to. Where okay, the lead person is out now, they're losing when they're gone. It's like. Yeah. Sometimes the teams play better because they actually are able to do more mm-hmm. without that one person. That's so true. I think there's a lot of opportunity. The more that we get diverse skill sets in our athletes and we get more, and it's part of it, it's like the double-edged sort of the specialization and all of that, right? It's like, if we get kids that are coming up and they are playing all year round or they're playing one or two sports, like you don't want that kind of specialization. Like you don't want that for their bodies or for their minds. Yeah. But at the same time, if I have a kid that's playing soccer and basketball, then she's getting conditioning all year round. Her body's doing different activities all year round. Right. She's actually preventing injuries in some ways all year round right. because she's working her body in different ways. It's going to help her be more well-rounded as an athlete. And I'm going to get a player who maybe has learned something from that other sport mm-hmm. that can benefit her when she gets in the court playing basketball. There's a, there's a real benefit to having more athletes, especially girls, playing earlier, playing more sports, getting more experience, getting higher skill. Yeah. And then so that you're cross-training physically, like your, like your, your, your body, your brain, and you have these skills now that are so great. You can go up there and play more than like, there isn't the one kid who's the, just a shooter anymore. There, there are certainly, but like there, it was so yeah. much easier. You I can think, always tell the who day. they are. Cause you're like, yes, it doesn't do anything. Else. And the thing is they don't get the playing time. Like they no. might get put in situations in the game or whatever it is, but like, it's the kids who are the utility players who are getting more, more mm-hmm. action, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I always hated that swim season compete with basketball season because swimming is such great cross training, especially if you're in a sport that like really uses your legs a lot and you just need to save your knees, save your joints. Like yeah. swimming is such good training and I hated that I had to pick between basketball and swimming honestly if I wanted to pick one that I would have probably been more successful in and like specialize in it should have been swimming um but yeah cross training is super important and that's like that's yeah that gets back to my original point that these kids are like pounding themselves from they're just so little they're so young now and it's impressive it's really impressive what kids like how how kids can ball out now like it's just yeah. absolutely like I'm pretty sure that there are several like 10 year olds that could have like maybe beat me at my peak <laughs> yeah. first of all because they're fucking huge now and they're second so of all because like just the 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 amount of skills that they have acquired from all of that training is just insane but yeah, we have to figure out a way for them to be able to moderate that and rest. Like rest is part of yeah. rest is part of getting stronger. Rest is part of getting better. And I feel like there are definitely a lot of like personal trainers and people who do like private training who preach that. Um, and I'm hoping that, and I think that that is happening more at the collegiate level too. I just don't know that it happens at the high school level. I think also we're not great as like the generation there around 
a fair amount with it from the teaching perspective of modeling that not just in sport but like I mean most of the parents these days of kids who are playing sports are they modeling rest being important in their jobs are they, are they experiencing burnout right. so, and there's a lot of it too where what we model and what we say don't align and kids aren't stupid I mean you know so it's like there's that whether you're talking about rest specifically when it comes to injury and in sport or you're mm-hmm. modeling giving like not pushing yourself till your battery is yeah. almost out yeah. um they're not seeing what we're saying half the time in our behavior um and there's also like I, I was thinking about things that could, that are different like the whole you know good old days stuff right it's like oh the good old days like my parents didn't ever have a computer at home working on the weekends or at night because they didn't that wasn't a technology that right. existed when I was a kid for them to do that right. so they would right. work I'm sure they were stressed out at work and they were worried and they were, you know, whatever, but I didn't mm-hmm. see it because they weren't bringing it home. So a lot of it is what we show them has changed. So even just think about like taking videos, right? If I had seen more live footage of myself, I probably would have changed a lot of things about my game skill, but also like form things that have caused me trouble over time. Like my body may have learned how to run this way from whatever right. way it learned how to run. Yeah. But if I had seen myself running more because video was more readily available back then, it wasn't on a VHS, you know, then, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it's like all blurry. Literally, <laughs> I have my Grinnell College women's basketball versus Illinois College, like VHS right here with yeah. me because we're going to go stuff in the garage. And it's like, I would love to look at that. I don't yeah. know how. I don't even see right. the ROM anymore, right? So, But like, I think about the, the times when I was coaching when I would show a kid how her being a swimmer was impacting her jump shot that like you shoot like you're diving into the pool and that's why you're at so it's like your accuracy is a little bit off it's what's comfortable to you but it's also gonna it's causing you back issues like you're throwing your whole whole, yeah right and when I showed her over and over again like video of herself doing it on my phone she was like Mm -hmm. I get it and then I was like now do it this way I video her so it's like showing them Mm -hmm. in the moment we didn't have the option of someone showing us in the moment how what we were doing was impacting something. And so right. I think that that's, I'm hopeful there's also going to be a shift there that if we're seeing a ton of injuries that are coming from like maybe like running form or whatever, mm-hmm. there are gate analyses that can be done, yeah. you know, that we can help people from earlier on to sort yeah. of pre- prevent some of those injuries over time too. Yeah. They're doing all of that at OTE, Jeff Bezos Basketball League like here in Atlanta where their practice gym is like, it looks like a like EA game, like studio, like they're going to like start recording or whatever, designing like NBA 2K, whatever. I don't know those things. Um, But they have, they wear like sensors, like like a little sensor and they have like, like a wrist sensor and they have like, speed cameras and all kinds of things and then video from like every conceivable angle so they're constantly just like studying their bodies and their movement and that's a huge I mean that Denise has a client who's doing that instead of his senior year in high school yeah it's impressive um and you know there's there's it's they're trying to figure out like how they're going to work and what their value is going to be. I think basketball players, but you know, his ability to like where he might not be getting the kind of playing time and competition time he might've in high school. um, 
his ability to like work on his body and his form in that way prior to going to you know college next fall is going to be a huge benefit for him yeah so yeah you're totally right well we are running over um but and i want to make sure that you get to your pizza i'll work on it Listen, girl, I got the Muminati's. We got pepperoni and green peppers. I got extra cheese. We're not playing around. This baby wants cheese. Yeah, green peppers. Green peppers and... It tastes like a house plant. I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to... Also, though, I have, like, massive heartburn. So, like, it's going to be a real blast eating this. But, like, oh. <laughs> I make choices. You know, again, it's, like, suffer now by not having pizza or suffer yeah. later having pizza and having heartburn. I'm choosing... Well, the- at least the heartburn will probably impact you 30 to 45 percent less than a normal person (laughs) i'm gonna eat the rest of my breadstick as far as i've gotten for a meal today um but yeah thank you so much this was a great talk about injuries it makes me really think that we need to do an episode about like mental health and sports big time um because that's it's all it's all connected but um, and nutrition honestly because I even like we joke about the pizza and the breadsticks but it's like I was thinking about the way that I ate in college and had no guidance and mm-hmm. I literally passed out in a practice once and my uh the trainer asked me like what I ate and I was like I think I had a piece of cheese and like an apple earlier she was like it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I was just like I don't really know and like how we just didn't drink water it's like yeah. It's wild to me. And I had to like figure out as an adult how to be like a real person. Mm-hmm. And it's and bizarre with that, to me. like body image, right? Like, especially yes. again for the big girls, like yes. so much of my um, career and like my life generally, um, but so much of like, especially like my college experience was like feeling like my body wasn't right to be playing at that level. Yeah. Like that I didn't have the ideal body and that my body didn't illustrate I think the level that I was capable of playing at and that I should look different than I do to be able to do what I do on the court yeah and why are these things not matching up and is it just like is there like are there abs under this like layer of fat or there are but that layer of fat is like I had to starve myself yeah and that's not ideal for anything but definitely not for performance so um you know and you're seeing fewer and fewer at the very least like when we were playing there were every team had like maybe one girl with like our body type yes yeah i don't see us i I see us very rarely these days right like every team had like a shack diesel girl and you're like yeah what's up we're gonna be guarding each other all game like this is it is what it is right um maybe she wasn't as tall as us but every team had like a big girl like no matter what level you were playing at and now yeah all these kids are like so fit and so lean and not that there's anything wrong with that but there are just people biologically who can be superior athletes who are not going to have that body type and when we talk about nutrition and we talk about mental health, like, are we thinking about those kids? Yeah. Because I think a lot of times 
diet culture still like ekes its way into conversations about nutrition within like athletics. Yes. And diet culture is often not correct, you know? Um, and so, and also I was seeing, I was reading this article talking about how little training doctors get in medical school in nutrition. Like yeah. very little, like they skim over it, which is why oftentimes diet culture is repeated and like propagated by your doctor, because basically they learned very little in med school about it and calories in calories out seems like that makes sense. Like, and so they'll just start echoing things that might be true for some, but are not true for all. And they assume that anyone who is an outlier is just doing it wrong. Yes. Which is not the, yeah, really the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that that should be on the list. Um, Let's add it in. Yeah. This is the end of episode one of midlife MVPs. Um, Thank you so much, Ty. It's been great. And we will see you guys next time. Good night. Oh my God, was I, oh no, I was recording, okay.